When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. And yeah, we are here the afternoon after having beaten Nottingham Forest in the second leg of our Carabao Cup game. And we are off to Wembley, Imran. Yes, yeah, quite exciting, actually. Yeah, um, I'm actually it... quite excited. I have to say that I got quite spoiled over the years, uh, you know, especially in those Fergie years. And I know there's a few times I could have gone to Wembley and got a ticket and I actually didn't even bother because we, we were, you know, we had so many trophies in those days. But uh, now I'm like really excited to go back to Wembley after a while. I was there for 2016 FA Cup win under Louis van Gaal, but I didn't go for the 2017 Cup final with uh, Jose. Uh, but yeah, would you be able to get a ticket for this one? No, I'm not in the cup scheme, but even though I went to the Forest game yesterday, I went to the Burnley game, um, still not, you have to be in the cup scheme to be able to apply for tickets. It is a bit of a and killer. I think it's a 32,000, 33,000 um, allocation. So probably every season ticket holder with the cup scheme will probably get a, a ticket, you'd think. Yeah, to be honest, actually, if I'd got myself organised, I might have opted out of the cup things this summer, but I never did get myself organised. So, yeah, ended up working out quite well. Um, but, yeah, we will be talking on this podcast about the, there's actually been the three cup games since last time we recorded. Uh, we were we were slightly depressed last time because we just lost to Arsenal and drawn with Crystal Palace. So, yeah, since then, it's been three cup matches. We've rolled on in all of them. We will obviously look ahead to that cup final. We've got the transfer window to talk about and a few other bits and bobs there. Um, but as I say, look, the big thing for me is that Eric Ten Hag already has got us to a cup final, uh, you know, we, off, we had a lot of debates about Ole, about how well he was doing. He did well in the league, but we kind of failed so many times, first of all, at that semi-final stage. And then when he did eventually reach that one cup final, it didn't happen for us. Uh, but do you think there's a bit of a different feel around things this time? Uh, yeah, massively. I mean, first off, it's literally the first chance he's had to get to a cup final and he's got there. So box ticked. Also, I don't think there's... I mean, obviously, we all want to win. It's big deal if we do win but i don't think there's so much pressure on it if we don't win we're not going to like calling for 10 hags head or anything it'll be well that's a bit disappointing but we'll move on to the next one kind of thing um it's not i feel like with ollie's europa league final that was a that was a big thing for him to tie his like tie his hat around that's not the right way to use that phrase but i'm gonna go with it um, hang his hat on. That's the one. Hang his hat. You don't I knew, I knew hat, what you, you meant. Hat. I knew what you meant. Yeah, he. That was a yeah. So and he could put and that that would be the big thing for him. But like with this one for Ten Hag, it's a it's a good. It will be very nice to have. It'll be a big statement for us. Like we're on our way back, etc. But it's not like if we lose it, it's not the end of the world. Um, and we'll, we'll you know we can look forward to m- probably many more cup finals under him. I think so. So yeah, it's 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 good for him. Good for the club. Good to show that we're on the way back and. What more can you ask for him, really, for getting to the getting to a final in his first season? I think we'd all taken that in any in any of the one competitions. I think if you said to us at the beginning of the season, Ten Hag will get you to one one final in a trophy, you'd think, all right, that's that's pretty good going. Um, but now we actually could do two or three. Well, yeah, I mean, 
that is going to be a big theme for me on this podcast. We already started talking about it on the last one, about our fixture kind of overload, how many matches we've got, our squad. I mean, I often put out my kind of predicted lineups on Twitter before matches, and I'm always, especially for these three games. I mean, I know we when we recorded the Arsenal game, I remember you said, look, these next two, which was going to be Forest away and Reading at home, we can rotate a lot. And then if there's any issues in that first leg Forest, we can put out a strong team in the last one in the end look he's gone pretty strong in all three of these matches I mean there has been a few kind of forced things with injury there's been the odd kind of rest here and there but for me he's gone much stronger than I definitely would have Um, and I am worried now about the amount of matches we're going to have I'm worried about tiredness I'm worried if our squad can deal with like fighting on four fronts I mean we are the only team who are playing this many games no one else is playing anywhere near this many matches Uh, I mean are you worried about that or you think we can deal with it i mean you've got to worry about it there's so many games uh, we've got six games before the cup final newcastle have three i mean that's it's massive really um and do we have the squad to deal with it no um we do in some places i think like center back for example you can we've got four center backs obviously the drop off between the first two and the um maguire and lindelof is is massive, but they are there. They're still like first team players. They can contribute, kind of thing. Um, attack. Actually, yesterday, if you looked at it, we had Sancho come in, Marshall come in, Rashford coming off the bench, and we started with a fairly strong top three anyway. So that's looking a bit better up there. It's the midfield that's a bit of an issue, uh, obviously, with only Casemiro, Fred, and now Sabitza, who's the complete unknown coming in as our first and only three players fit for that middle three positions. Behind that, obviously, you have Manu and Iqbal, maybe. But, I mean, that's asking a lot of youngsters. So, McTominay. obviously, There's, there is McTominay. Well, he's, he is injured, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's well, injured. I don't and know they, how long he's injured for, but I think a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, uh, they've not given a time on that. Well, Ericsson, we know, is May. Um, Van der Beek, we know, is the season. And McTominay, we don't really know. But I would guess uh, he'll miss at least the next three or four games, you'd think. I think he said definitely two games and then kind of let's see what's going on. Um, So, yeah, we will see from there. But, yeah, midfield definitely is the main problem. I mean, if Martial can stay fit and stuff like that, then you feel (laughs) like we do. Yeah, exactly. You know, how how often does he stay fit? I mean, it was good to see him back in this match last night, getting himself on the score sheet as well. I mean, generally, when he's played this season, his stats are great for goals, for assists, but he just hasn't played enough. And that is the major, major problem. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see from there. We will obviously go more in depth on the transfer window, talk about our new signing, Sabitzer. I mean, just to quickly say, though, it was pleasing to see the club act quickly and to do something about that. Um, I mean, I didn't expect anything. Waking up nope, on the last either. deadline day, getting the news that Ericsson was going to be out. Um, Ten Hag did a press conference and seemed like pretty lukewarm on everything. But then all of a sudden, this Sabitzer's talk started and yeah, they managed to sort it out uh, in kind of half a day or so. I mean, it's pr- pretty incredible if you think about it. Because usually when you get the manager saying, it's very difficult to do a deal on the last day of the season. That's basically code for we are not doing a deal. And then, because it says you think, yeah, well, there's, there's absolutely zero chance of anything happening. But actually, the club acted swiftly, competently. Um, they saw that it's crazy, crazy to only have Casemiro and Fred as your two fit central midfielders, and you have to do something. like. And yet, we all kind of expected that they wouldn't do anything. So the fact that they have, I mean, yeah, they're doing the job, but you've got to, you've got to give them a bit of credit because I think I feel like every what ninety nine percent of United fans will have thought there's no way they're doing anything here, and they have. So fair enough, well done. I think that extra bit of news on McTominay just pushed the hand to say, listen, you have to do something. There's no way, as you say, Mainu has started appearing and, you know, is getting minutes here and there. We've seen nothing of Zidane Iqbal. But, yeah, there's really not enough depth in the midfield area. Uh, So, yeah, it is good they turn around and dealt with this. And, in fact, if you compare to this time kind of last season where... It was right, also right at the end of the window where we realised that Mason Greenwood was going to get ruled out for the season. Mm. And Ralph Ranjit came out afterwards saying, I told the board, we still got time. We can still get in another striker. But they didn't listen to me, basically. Whereas this year, they have done something about it, acted quickly. Uh, I mean, I think Sabitzer and Bayern Munich themselves came out and said, look, Man United made contact on the Monday. And by kind of end of Tuesday, they'd managed to seal this deal. 
Uh, and I think, you know, as I said, we'll go a bit more into the transfer window. But yeah, it does help our squad. And that is the bit, like I said, that is my still big issue. You mentioned Newcastle between now and the cup final have got three matches. We've got six and that's two against Leeds and two against Barcelona in that six. So it's hardly like yeah. an easy kind of run. Um, and then, you know, if you also compare to, say, I was looking at, for example, Arsenal, from the end of the World Cup, and uh, the matches restarting, to the end of February, we're going to have played 19 matches. Arsenal in the same period will have played 12. So you're not talking about one or two matches difference. It's like absolutely crazy how many games we're playing. And it's because, yeah, mm. we are fighting on four fronts. I mean, I expected last night that he would rotate a lot because the game was almost won at three kind of nil. Um, I expected more rotation against Reading because they're a championship team. Personally, I thought it wouldn't be the end of the world if we went out in the FA Cup, but I would have been happy if a kind of rotated team of one and kept us going. I didn't want to lose, but I would have put out a very rotated team and I think they would have had enough still to beat Reading. But again, the team was pretty strong. I mean, in each match, he has rested one or two players. So Rashford's mm. had a rest here. Uh, you know, Varane's had a bit of a rest. So there has been there. But, you know, there's certain players like Bruno, Casemiro, Rashford. Uh, I would have said Ericsson, but he's now having a forced rest. Who've played way too many matches. I mean, earlier in the season, Diago Dallo played every single game. Now, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is playing every single game. So I don't know if it wasn't in these kind of couple of games that was Reading and Forest when we're three up. And that he wasn't resting people. When when is he going to rest anyone? Well, to be fair, he did rest Rashford yesterday. Um, Varane's got uh, had a couple of games rest. Uh, Shaw, uh, Shaw and Malassia have kind of been switching around. I don't remember Saka's played every game, but then he didn't play for half season. So you know, he can he can get on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you you worry. Um, Casemiro's playing every game, although. He did get sub. He has been getting subbed off seventy minutes pretty much every game at the moment. Um, Bruno, but Bruno just seems to have an engine for days anyway. But again, it isn't. It, it is a worry. Um, like yesterday, I was I was pretty happy with the lineup yesterday. If you consider consider two things: one, we don't really have the options to rotate that many people anyway. He took Rashford out, and I was like, I was. I said before the game, if you rest Rashford and Casemiro, I'm, I'm I'd be thrilled. He rested one of them, so I was happy. Um. And ultimately, if you're going to rest Casemiro, you're going to put Menu in there, and then the drop off is it's it's massive. No disrespect to the kid, but you know he's not, he's not Casemiro, is he? Um, and ultimately, you okay? Yeah, you're three 0 up. It's pretty safe. But Forest started that game. If they started that game like all guns blazing, which they should have done, they didn't. But if they did and scored a goal in the first ten minutes, then you then you're looking a bit ooh, you know what, what's going on here kind of thing. But I can see what Ten Hag's thinking. You know, just get the get the first team out there, put the get bed game in the first 45, then you can do whatever you want in the second half. And that's kind of what we did. And also the game was played at such a slow pace. I don't really think that counted as a, a full throttle game for half the players on the pitch. I um, mean, Forrest did have a couple of chances in that first half. If they'd scored well, that's one of them. Did. Yeah, it, you know, it's exactly. one of those so things. Like, you're 3-0 up, but if they score one, then you kind of think, oh... If they and score that's with again. our first choice centre back pairing and Casemiro in front of them. So you know you have the you have Maguire and Lindelof in there, and no one really sitting in front of them. Then it could have been even more. So you know you've got you've got to put the game to bed and you've got to make it as comfortable as possible. Ultimately, you don't want to make the game uncomfortable because then you have to up your up your level, up your gears. Even Ten Hag said afterwards that like, he wasn't thrilled with the performance, and but then he also he also said you know you can't go full pelt. We understand we can't go full pelt in these kind of situations because we are three 0 up. Um. And we didn't like we didn't go out. Of th- I don't think we went out of third gear at all yesterday. No, I so, mean I think if Forrest that... had scored, you might have seen yeah. us react a bit more. That's what I'm saying. But so the way you see, and we only actually started really like upping the tempo when Marshall and Sancho were on the pitch, two players who need fitness, need form. And Rashford came on for 20 minutes and just you know was Rashford. Well, it's actually Rashford funny thing. to see the three of them come on together because you know in pre-season that was our starting attack. Mm. And they did really well, and we were kind of expecting a fair bit. But 
immediately Martial got injured. Then Sancho's had, we know, his kind of off-the-field issues. Uh, so, yeah, great to see Sancho back in there. I don't know if you saw this stuff kind of post-match as well, where he was having a hug with Forest manager Steve Cooper, because he was his old manager when England under-17s won the World Cup uh, a few years ago. So, yeah, nice to see those kind of things. Nice to see Sancho back in there. And, yeah, will make a big difference to our squad depth if he can get back to any kind of form. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, though, it's an unmanageable load of games, like six games. The amount of games we're playing is ridiculous, regardless of what kind of squad you have. Even if you had City squad, it'd probably be a bit ridiculous. So, look, we don't have the strongest squad in the world. We have some options, but it, it's too much. It would always be too much, I think. So we're just going to have to get by as best we can. Yeah, I mean, that's why for me, I often say this and managers never do, especially managers like Ole, like Ten Hag now, who are desperate to win something as new managers. They'll never like kind of sacrifice a cup, whereas Ferguson used to do that all the time. I think, you know, we did win that treble and it was incredible and nobody's ever done it since. But after that, he often in the League Cup, often in the FA Cup, put out very rotated teams. I don't think he was ever looking to lose. He was kind of happy if a rotated team went through. But I think he also was like, listen, we need to focus on the Premier League. We need to focus on Europe. Uh, I mean, for me, out of these four tournaments, we're now in the Carabao Cup final, so that's great. But something has to give. We can't keep going in four of them. I mean, if you had to choose, just out, I've had this conversation with a few people, like, which is more important to you, the FA Cup or the Europa League? It's an interesting one because, like, the position we are in the league makes the Europa League less important because you think we should really nail down the top four spot and we don't really need to win the Europa League to get that spot. But if we were fighting for scrapping for fourth, then you think actually the Europa League takes a big takes a lot of importance here. Because ultimately, still, if you said to me right now, you can take either the Europa League win or finishing fourth, I'd say, well, t- give me the Europa League win because you get a trophy and you get the same you get the same reward, but you get a bit, you get a pot at the end of it as well. So, but it's a lot of games. You'd have the Barca Barca two legs. Then what is it? How many rounds is it then? Is it still the round of sixteen then quarters? I think we're at the round of sixteen after Barcelona. Is this the round of no? Isn't this? I think this might be the round of. No, I don't know. I, I think don't. after I, I, Barcelona is the round of 16, but I'm not 100% sure right. on that. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it's 32 even. I don't know. This is where you, this is the podcast you come to for all your Europa <laughs> League uh, expertise. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, anyway, regardless, it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot of games in that competition. And, and it's the travel as well, you know, where you have to go and things like that. You know, that's the big issue. Uh, I mean, don't, personally, yeah. I would pick the Europa League every time. I mean... If I had to choose, I would at this point sacrifice the FA Cup because but the, I mean, but we're the FA already Cup's only four more games. I know, we'll but four... we're already in a domestic cup final. We're going to Wembley. Is we're not definitely going to win it. I mean, Newcastle will be a big challenge. They're having a great season themselves, and as I said, they're going to be a lot more rested and have a lot easier ride into this cup final than we are. Um, but we've got a pretty good chance of winning that one. And then it's also like you get that excitement on a European night. You know, uh, when we first got Barcelona, you're a bit like, oh, oh, my God, could we not have got an easier game? But then you're also massively excited for these big games, uh, you know, European midweekers. So, yeah, there is a bit more excitement for me around that European trophy. Uh, so, yeah, if I had to choose, I would say, listen, send out the reserves in the FA Cup. And, you know, our next round is against uh, West Ham. So, yeah, oh, we see what happens. But the thing with that is... The Europa League going out of the going out of the cup wouldn't massively lighten our schedule. Going out of the Europa League would massively lighten our schedule. That's true because it's two legs every time and all the travel. It, it's true. It is actually like, a much if, more if we, difficult. If we, ask. if we go out of the Europa League now, our April, uh, our April fixture list becomes a lot nicer, basically, because oh, well, April and March and May, because you basically two midweeks in both of them, you've got games in all three months, so. If you if you're looking at resting players and not doing too much work, then Europa League has to go, and the FA Cup stays. Plus, I mean, we've got a great chance to win the FA Cup. There's only really City in there that you'd fear, really. 
No, yeah, I mean, maybe you're swaying me on that. I did think, yeah, when the, all those extra games, all that travel on the Europa League, I mean, I was kind of fixing, listen, I would love to keep going in Europe because it just has that bit more kind of prestige. I mean, it's funny to say that as well because remember when this Europa League first started and we kind of laughed at it, you know, Thursday night, Channel 5. Um, but since the days they started handing out a Champions League place, it did make a big, big difference to this tournament. And we're not mm. guaranteed by any means in top four. There's still a lot of this season to go. There is, but I think if you went out of the Europa League now, I'm not saying we should. I, I want us to beat Barcelona, obviously, but if we did, you'd think, okay, with the light and fixture list, we should we should really be cementing top four. Then not a problem. All right, yeah. Well, look, as I'm saying, on the top four race, it is by no means done, and you know we, we will go through in uh, the transfer window in the kind of next section. But just to say, you know, the likes and of Chelsea, Tottenham have done a lot more business than us. I mean, Chelsea absolutely ridiculously so. Uh, I mean, crazy, crazy spending and I can't even get my head around how many players they've now got and what kind of team they're going to be putting out in games. Uh, but yeah. I remember we'll... my point. I remember my point. Go it's on. that last year, if you recall, the best team ever in the world, ever, 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 Liverpool. Remember, they're the best team in the world, remember, last year. They won the <laughs> FA Cup and League Cup. So if we win it too this year, doesn't that, that, that would therefore make us the best team in the world in theory? Hey, look, it's absolutely great to see how badly Liverpool are doing. And as you say, it was so ridiculous in the first place that they were ever put in this conversation about the best teams. I remember seeing votes and they had like Manchester United, 99 treble team, Arsenal Invincibles and like Liverpool. They're like, you know, they won one league title uh, in the last 30 years, which is the same as Blackburn and Leicester. All right, they did manage to get one Champions League. A couple of domestic cups, which they kind of fluke nil-nil on penalties anyway. I mean, I, I don't even know how they ever or in this conversation. So, yeah, seeing them struggle at the moment is obviously the extra cherry on the cake of how well our season is going. Um, but I think that is a good time for a quick little break. We will come back the other side, chat a bit more about the other kind of cup games we've had, talk about the transfer window and the games coming up. All right, we are back for part two of this podcast. Uh, so look, we started talking about the matches. As I said, there has been the three matches since we last recorded. Uh, you were in the ground last night. Um, how was the atmosphere? Because sometimes it's a bit weird when you're 3-0 up. I mean, I, I guess you kind of expected this would be a bit of a bigger game because maybe we're only one up or not even winning. But in the end, I don't know what kind of feel you got in the stadium. It was a bit subdued, but it will be. Like, you're 3-0 up. It's very comfortable. Um, there's, I mean, it was funny. I was listening to Talk Sport on the way home because I had to because my brother was driving, and we had, he had like Forest fans ringing up saying, "Oh, we were singing for ninety minutes and they can't even sing because they're in a cup final." Obviously, that was in a Brummy accent that I can't really do. But um, and I was like, "Well, we're three 0 up at home against Forest. There's no jeopardy. I mean, you're just there for a nice time, watch some nice football. You're not going to go all guns blazing. It's not like City at home, is it?" If 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 the game was tighter, if the um, if the st- if you know if we had to get behind the team, I'm sure we would have done. But there's no point in us being all like fired up and guns blazing when we'd, we we you don't even want the United players to be that up for it. You just want them to control the game and be a bit chilled. Like mainly in the first half, we're just passing it around and keeping the ball. It's like yeah, do that. There's no point in exerting too much energy here. Like, let's just get not stay, not get out of third gear, knock the ball around, and just yeah, get through this game. And that's kind of what they did. That's kind of what we did. Um, some big chance for Sancho, which was nice. Um, the, the, it got a bit livelier in the second half when the stuff on the pitch got a bit livelier. But that's what you respond to. You respond to what's going on on the pitch, really. So, so yeah, atmosphere was a bit subdued, but understandable. You know, we're in the cup final at Wembley. That's all that matters now. It's totally understandable. And it's always going to be the away fans on these occasions who are making the noise. And it was exactly the same the week before when our yeah, away fans they went were, to Nottingham. They were silent when it was 3-0 up. So, I, you know, you know, if, like... United fans saying, oh, why weren't they singing it 3-0 down? Because, you know, they're 3-0 down. No one expects them to be singing it 3-0 down. No, and I saw posts even from Nottingham Forest fans last week after our away leg saying that, you know, kudos to the United fans. Like, you know, sometimes United fans have a reputation of being quiet, but we haven't had fans that loud in the Forest ground for years and years and years. Uh, I mean, of course, it always helps that you get kind of bigger allocations often in these cup games than you do for league matches. And yeah, people bang up for it. And yeah, winning 3-0 as well helped. But yeah, our away fans are always brilliant. It's not always the same at Old Trafford. Uh, but, you know, I do think things have been better at Old Trafford in recent years. Um, but yeah, the main thing is we are going to Wembley and it's going to be a great time. But the match itself, as you said, it was a bit of uh, it was nil-nil for a long, long parts of it. We held them. And then, yeah, it was great just to finish it off with a couple of goals. 
the main takeaways yeah. are kind of, yeah, Sancho, uh, Martial coming in. But the other one, I don't know if you noticed, that when Lindelof came in, he actually basically played defensive midfield. And yeah, I he did. I don't know if he's ever done it before for us. I'm not sure, but I, I, I won't read too much into it. It's literally just get on the pitch and run around for a bit in a game you're five nil up in like you could you could have put him on right wing I don't think it would have really I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't be going all in love is our new defensive midfielder based on ten minutes where he sat in defensive midfield and maybe touched the ball like five times. I don't I don't think it really mattered. I don't know. I think maybe Ten Hag is thinking, you know, what if Casemiro did get injured? He has to have some kind of backup plan. And you know, whether I think he had been asked maybe about whether Lissandro Martinez could play defensive midfield because I think he has done maybe at some times in his past career. But yeah, in the end, it's Lindelof who he sent out there. And I actually think that maybe Lindelof could do a half-decent job there. You know, he's pretty good on the ball. Uh, you know, his weakness is normally more getting out-muscled and things like that in the centre-back area. Uh, but yeah, we will see if that happens a bit more. I mean, if we're talking about kind of if Casemiro gets injured options, then yeah, Kobe Mainu is the other one who's had some kind of minutes, came on against Reading. Uh, quite amazing to see at like 17 years of age, him getting some kind of game time. He's pushed himself ahead of the likes of Zidanic Bal and Charlie Savage, who, you know, had a bit of game time last season and people thought they might see a bit of this season. Um, but yeah, he's pushed ahead of them. He came out of that FA Youth Cup winning team. He's kind of the second one after Garnacho to come into the squad. Charlie McNeil did also get a few minutes earlier in the season, but he's now gone out on loan. Um, I don't know if you had much chance to kind of assess Mainu. He did have that start as well in this Carabao Cup run when we played Charlton. Uh, that was more the game where we had a time to have a look at him and then did get a late sub appearance against Reading. Yeah, he looks tidy enough. I mean, I'm the last person to get carried away by youngsters. Um but at least I'm happy with this, the fact that he doesn't have to be in a position where we need him to contribute um, and we need him to contribute well and now kind of thing. We we would have done if we hadn't got Sabitzer in. Then I was worried, like, people say, oh, you know, you put that's what you have youngsters for. I was like, well, not really. You have youngsters to, like, bleed them in, put them into good situations, like, try to get the best out of them. You don't put them into high-pressure situations straight away where they, like, sink or swim in their career. That's, that's not really how the best way to put a youngster into the team, I don't think. Like even Ganacho's coming to the team this season. We didn't just like throw him in because we needed some goals. Like it's coming gradually, and now he's a good part of the squad. And that's the best way to be to be um, to be bled in. I think I don't I don't think you want to be relying on youngsters like straight away kind of thing. So yeah, if he can contribute, great. Um, if he but that's what I'm saying. We're in a situation now where if he can contribute, great. If he can't, then we have we do have the players. Unless there's major injuries again, we do have the players to to do it. So it's fine. No, and look, the other big takeaway, obviously, from that Reading game was the injury of Christian Eriksen. I mean, an absolute disgusting tackle from Andy Carroll, uh, Scouse Geordie, expletive. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the most ridiculous thing was he didn't even get a card for that tackle. He did eventually get sent off deservedly. But for that particular tackle, he didn't get any kind of punishment whatsoever. Um, but yeah crazy that now we see Ericsson is out for a couple of months at least maybe more from that tackle um, so yeah look I guess he finally mm. did get his punishment of getting sent off but yeah a bit too late really well I mean crazy crazy tackle crap refing crap refing's been a bit of a theme recently to be honest with you for us but that's another story um, and yeah I mean I, I know people a lot of people saying oh you should, this is why you don't start Ericsson against Reading's like well it wasn't a muscle injury. He didn't get a strain. It was literally some big off lumping into him from behind. It could, if it could, didn't happen to him, it could have happened to Casemiro. If, you know, so one of those things, unfortunately, like you can't, you can't account for, you can account for muscle injuries. You can account for strains and tears, etc. You can't account for Andy Carroll being a, an idiot. So it's unfortunate, but it is one of those things. Ultimately, if Ericsson had rested five games for this game, he still would have got the same injury. Yeah, I mean, and I'm one who thinks Ericsson shouldn't have started this game, but I don't put any blame on Ten Hag for that. Like you say, it's not a muscle injury. It's not through overplaying or anything like that. It's just an absolute ridiculous tackle that should have been punished at the time. Uh, the other kind of slight pre-match story from that Reading game was Paul Lintz coming back to Old Trafford. Uh, not necessarily one 
put down on the legends list at Old Trafford. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I mean, even even after the game, he said something daft like, "Oh, the referee couldn't wait to book Andy Carroll." I was like, "No, he literally could wait to book Andy Carroll. He waited after a red card tackle to give him a booking for a ridiculous challenge on Malassia. So actually, he should wait very well." Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and uh, I did listen to a bit of his pre-match stuff. He was still complaining about the way he actually left Manchester United, who's kind of kind of forced out by Fergie. But I remember at the time thinking it was really bizarre. He was a great player for us, to be fair to him. You know, like I say, we don't remember him well now due to things he said after that and due to playing for Liverpool. But yeah, he was brilliant for us in those kind of first mm. title wins and those early success years. But yeah, we know history tells us that it was the right thing to do. It was. Yeah, you can't can't knock that decision. We had Scalzi and Nicky Buck coming in. Fair enough. I thought he was right. I was a bit shocked to hear when they said pre-match that, you know, Paul Ince was out of management for ages, comes back after kind of a 10-year hiatus. Uh, he was the first ever black British Premier League manager when he ended up at Blackburn. And we haven't really had one since, uh, which is kind of crazy, like a decade on. I mean, uh, so I don't know how we're going to change. Like I said, I hadn't really realised it until that stat was thrown out on the kind of telly over there. Uh, but yeah, anyway, look, he is back there doing an okayish job at Reading, I guess. The other thing about that game was Casemiro obviously being quality. Um, obviously, we, we love him for his defensive midfield work, but then he's got, what, four goals now? Yeah, yeah. And a um, few assists. Him and Fred together have eight goals, which is which is mad if you think about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's what you need from your field. You need them to contribute. It's a great goal as well. A great ball from Anthony and a lovely finish. And then his second one obviously took the deflection. But I mean, he's just he's just great in every way. I think um, I, I he's probably the best midfielder in the country. I yeah, would think. I mean, every week we're talking more and more about him and I'm so impressed by him. I said before, I never expected this level of play from him. I knew he'd do some great defensive work and make us absolutely solid, but I never expected his passing range and that he was even going to start chipping in with goals there. Uh, the one ridiculous thing was that Lee Dixon decided that Anthony was man of the match in this game. After I mean, Kaz- he had a good game to be fair, but yeah, it was, it was quite obviously Casemiro. I'm pretty sure that Lee Dixon looked around the pitch at the time he was asked, didn't see Casemiro because he'd already been subbed off and completely forgot that he was even playing and then decided to hand it out to Anthony. Uh, I mean, yeah, as you say, Anthony's had quite a bit of stick recently but and he had did play better in that game apart mm. from in the, in the last two matches. He takes a lot of long shots and hasn't got anywhere near with any of them. Uh, so I think he needs to take a bit more time with this kind of shot selection. Well, to be fair, he did have a great shot yes, last night, half volley after a corner. But I was glad that didn't go in because you can't you can't be wasting a goal like that in a in a dead rubber semi final. <laughs> you got got to save that goal for some 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 big important Premier League game or champ or um yeah Champions League. Can't, it needs to be a bigger stage for a goal like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a bit frustrating in the sense that sometimes you just want him to take on his man. Um, but he doesn't quite have that burst of pace that you're kind of hoping that he has. But and he he does need to use his other foot more. But obviously he won't, and that's fine. But as long as he can like start affecting players and assisting goals like that pass. I mean, that pass to Casemiro is the sort of stuff that we want to see him do at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, he's, he, I've not been totally in love with his performances or anything, but he has got a little bit better recently, which is good to see. Yeah, he definitely has. He definitely has. And uh, just to quickly then touch on the first Forest leg, uh, where, you know, we kind of won this tie, basically. I mean... Within, I think, five, six minutes, Rashford had already scored and uh, it was a ball from Casemiro again. But yeah, a beautiful goal from Rashford that day, uh, you know, dribbling in with his right and finishing from his left. And good old Big Woot up front scored another goal as well. That was good to see after his uh, debut goal earlier on. Yeah, I mean, the Rashford goal was just, I just laughed, to be honest with you. It's just, this is a man who can do anything he wants at the moment. He can pick up the ball in his own half and just run the, f- I mean, that is tw- he's done that twice now. He did that against Burnley as well, didn't he? Was it Burnley? It was Burnley, wasn't it? In the cup, yeah. Similar goal on the other side, but uh, with uh, that was a more acute finish. But this one, yeah, just ran in, then took it early on his left, took the keeper by surprise. Brilliant goal. Defenders really can't de- deal with him at the moment. He is just. I mean, he's the best left winger in the country at the moment on form. Um, um, only Haaland has more goal and assists than him in the league this year. Um, I think he's joint top scorer in Europe after the World Cup as well. I think there's someone else. Oh, Luckman. Luckman has the uh, same amount of goals as him. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's, he's just on fire. 
Uh, he's, although he hasn't scored for two games, so clearly terrible. Although he should have scored yesterday. Martial should have... That first goal should have really been his, but Martial messed up the pass and then somehow managed to score himself. Yeah, Martial um, did get lucky there. It was a poor ball because we were like three really on two there. Pass. Um, and then uh, I think he, I think he knew it himself because he was smiling afterwards. Um, and then yeah, Walt's Walt's goal is actually a very very impressive finish. Really, it's a lot hard. That was a lot, much harder finish than it looked first, um, because ball came quick. Um, you've seen people balloon those over the bar many a time, and the keeper wasn't exactly out of the goal. He was on the floor and spreading himself, so he actually had to, he had to roof it. And he had a re- really good finish from him. That's what you want to see. And he was unlucky not to score again yesterday with uh, the header. Hit the post and it did hit the post, didn't it? I haven't, I haven't seen the back game back, but it looked like in the first half you had a header that hit the post. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. We'll say it hit the post. You you look confused, so uh, I'm kind of mixed up between these three games. He did hit the post at some point in one of yeah, these matches, and, um, <laughs> and uh, he should have had a penalty for a, a clear stonewall penalty yesterday as oh, well. Yeah. So well, yeah, we didn't say that. Yeah, I mean. So. When we go through these, we kind of don't get so upset, but VAR and referees again and again are just absolutely screwing us. Uh, I mean, hopefully when it actually matters, we can get it. And maybe we're paying for that Rashford, uh, is he interfering with goal playing the derby still? Um, but yeah, that it was a crazy decision last night again, but uh, you know, it didn't really matter in the end, so we don't get too upset about it. Uh, and then yeah, that first Forest game, Bruno kind of rounded it all off with a late goal that kind of killed a tie basically. And yeah. it was brilliant to see it was uh, probably the most comfortable win we've had all season actually that that forest away game yeah possibly uh, and won, especially in a game like that yeah we've had a couple of three nils but that one that, that one was very very comfortable um which was nice to see I, i'd take more of it. thing is <clears throat> we need to get <clears throat> sorry with all the games coming up we actually do need to win start winning games earlier so we can do all the five changes and going to drop into second gear and rest players but ultimately if you're winning game like that palace game that we drew one all you're winning games only by one goal you get start getting tired, and then they start getting on the upper foot, and then you can end up not winning the game. So it's important to get these put these games to bed early, and then we can start making those changes. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Rashford has got our player of the month again. I think Casemiro had a good shout of it, but yeah, Rashford's had that now back to back. I hope I haven't cursed him because I was just doing it today and I've made him triple captain for the upcoming Fantasy Premier League week because uh, we've got two matches there. I've also drafted in Bruno, so I'm like heavy on United. I remember at the start of the season, I didn't have any United players in my team. None at all. I think it was the first season ever and I've been playing fantasy football for literally like decades uh, that I didn't have any United players. And now I've actually got Bruno, Rashford, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka in there because Aaron Wan-Bissaka is dirt cheap. But yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I hope I've cursed him with that. But yeah, we're going on that there. Um, <clears throat> look, we can't. We have. To, as I say, we're going to be back on kind of Premier League duty again after this run of games. And it was good to see, you know, Ten Hag straight away just said, "Listen, we forget about the cup final because we've got." a lot of matches before that and he's right six matches and six big matches so yeah we can't think too much about Wembley just yet because we've got so many games coming up uh, mm. and you know especially that you, you, I think you mentioned on the last one that it's going to end up being a Leeds doubleheader back to back I always find it so difficult to play teams twice in a row often when you get like cup draws and then you play them again straight. we did it with Villa earlier in the season remember yeah, yeah. Um, and you, all, you it's, it's, I always feel like it's not often you win both um, and I don't think I, I can't. I cannot recall in my time spot. You know, you've played two te- a team in the league twice in a row. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, so, well, well, hopefully we can get both. Both can be wins, but it's going to be tricky. Oh, it's going to be absolutely tricky. And like, you know, before that, we do have Crystal Palace at home as well. And we drew with them just like two weeks ago. So even though it's not like back to back, you know, it's like running on there pretty quickly. So, yeah, the schedule is mental. I mean, if we talk about those six matches that will lead up to the cup final, it's Crystal Palace at home, Leeds at home, Leeds away, Barcelona away, Leicester at home, Barcelona home. And then we play Newcastle. Uh, I mean, the good thing about that is it's a lot of home games. Yeah. Yeah. And the two away games... I mean, there could be a lot more travel involved. Uh, Barca's not the worst European flight, and Leeds is not the worst away travel. Probably yeah, one of the I mean, best, Leeds actually. Is so basically, a local derby. So yeah, that's yeah, not too much. So I mean, problem. in terms of travel, not not that that's one good thing. All the games being most of the games being at home is another good thing. So a couple of bonuses in there, and then I think is it straight after that cup final? Then it's the West Ham at home, isn't it, in the cup as well? 
in the so, FA Cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a easy start to March away at Anfield. Yep. Uh, just the, the the thing is they'll come thick and fast and ultimately I just think Ten Hag is going to take the approach of just staying in as many competitions as you possibly can um, the Barcelona one's obviously going to be tricky if you go out to them there's no great shame in going out to Barcelona at the end of the day um, hopefully we do beat them we can actually have a gentle tie but that's that's you know there probably won't be a, that many gentle ties in Europa League after that no and look Barcelona on good form top of La Liga after kind of struggling last year um I mean, as you say, it does look like Ten Hag wants to go all four and is gonna and like my big worry is that it's just gonna be too much and the amount of games we play is gonna end up costing us somewhere. And you know, it could be in this Carabao Cup final when we're playing double the amount of games in Newcastle. It could be somewhere later in the season when top four starts getting tasty. Uh so yeah, it is a big worry for me. Ten Hag is doing a brilliant job, much better. We're in a much better place than I kind of expected this short time into his kind of career. But this is my major worry about the rest of the season at the moment. Uh, we will take another quick break there, come back for the last part of the show, talk a bit more about the transfer window, and then, yeah, chat more on the games kind of coming up. Welcome back for part three of this United Hour podcast. Uh, you know, as I said, the theme of this show is about the amount of matches we've got, all the games we're playing. I think I've pretty clearly said I am worried about it. But yeah, at the moment, we are playing so well. I mean, Ten Hag was kind of asked about this in one of his press conferences. And he basically said, look, it's all about momentum. And you know, you never know whether it's the manager. Is it that he doesn't trust his backups or does he just feel keep that winning run going? I mean, we had similar conversations, I remember, under Ole as well, because he did not rotate much. Mm. And I thought in the end, it was part of his big downfall was his lack of rotation and playing the same players again and again. I think, to be fair, I think he, Ten Hag has rotated more than Ole. Ole was literally 11 players, go, 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 until one of you dies. Um and Ten Hag at least does a little check, like yesterday to brought Ganacho in for Rashford. Um, he'll take Shaw out for Malasia. He'll sort. He'll he'll play around with his centre backs. Uh, the only real only ones really who have started all time are Casemiro and Bruno. Really. Um, yeah, there was the four until, players and, for and me Ericsson, but, that I was worried. Yeah, but, Ericsson, Casemiro, Bruno, and Rashford were the ones I was but, kind of but, most but, worried about. Ganacho has come in for him. Rashford has started. It. I mean. We we forget because he keeps on scoring every single game, but he has come off a be- come off the bench a few times for for some of those goals. So it's not like he's been starting every single game. Uh, obviously, we worry with Rashford more because of the injury aspect of him. But I think I think he's managed him quite well. It's the Casemiro one and the Bruno one really. But Bruno will run till he's dead anyway. And uh, Casemiro, you, I mean, he he generally does take him off. So we'll see. Hopefully, they'll both. I mean, they're both built for these sort of things anyway. The, both big pros. Casemiro's used to playing a lot of games anyway with Madrid, so hopefully, yeah. And don't forget, of course, that some of these players were out of the World Cup. Uh, I mean, especially, yeah, Casemiro played a lot of minutes there. Bruno played a lot of minutes. Rashford less so, uh, so it wasn't as much of an issue maybe for him. But yeah, they played all those matches as well. Um, but look, let's talk about the transfer window. Obviously, our big signings we mentioned over on the deadline day was to bring in uh, Sabitza on loan from Bayern Munich. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you know about him. Fill us in. You're the expert, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But I did really like him at Leipzig, to be fair. Um, he was um, well, well thought of at Leipzig. Um, played a lot against them in the Champions League, obviously, and it was a big part of their team. Um, he played. He played in the five nil against us at Old Trafford, and he didn't have a great game. But then on that return game, when we we lost three two, he was really good for them in that game. So based on the Leipzig form, you'd have to say yeah, good player, definitely a very good player in there. Obviously, Austria, lots of caps for Austria as well. Could play in a range of positions. Um, he was mainly more of a attacker for Leipzig, more in the attacking midfield, uh, left wing role. But to, when he's gone to Bayern, he's been become more of a centre midfielder, even a defence midfielder this year. Not set the world light at Bayern, obviously. Um, last season he struggled. This season, apparently, according to Bayern fans, he's been a lot better uh, showings when he's come in. But obviously, he's not. He's not played that many games. In fact, he's he's played like a minute, I think, minute of football since end of December, something like that. So 
it's not a lot of he's, he's not played a lot of football at all so that's one thing we have to worry about is him getting up to match speed but he is fit and probably lots and probably fresh you know if we're talking about players with lots of in the tank he should have a lot in the tank um so yeah I'm, I'm, i think it's a sensible sign it's an exciting signing also i'm used to us buying people who have been red hot in germany and then being terrible so maybe we buy someone who's been not great in germany maybe that's the maybe that's the way to go not great in germany great in england Maybe that's the, the road for the future. But, you know, look, it's a sensible signing. It's a loan. There's no commitment to it. If he's very good, that's great. That helps us out. Maybe we can do a deal at the end of the summer if he's excellent. If not, it was a loan. We had to get someone in. He was a good option for us. Someone, I mean, ultimately, you don't get to play for Bayern Munich if you're crap. They're not going to sign you if you're terrible. So there's something in there. Ten Hag, obviously, has identified him as a target he wants. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think, I'm, well, I'm very hopeful it'll be able to contribute for us. Yeah, I mean, as I understand it, he was actually on a list of players we might have looked at back in the summer when we were obviously looking to bolster our midfield. And he's got many links with Ralph Ranić, basically. Ralph Ranić is now his mm. international manager at Austria. Of course, there's the RB Leipzig link. Uh, he was with Ranić over there. Yeah, as you say, he was a bit of the kind of star player. I think he was the captain at Leipzig at the time. So, yeah, he's got kind of leadership skills as well. And he kind of moved with Nagelsmann from Leipzig to Bayern Munich. He kind of brought him with him. Mm. But like you said, he's not managed to be a kind of starter for Munich. He's always been a kind of squad player. So he's done his bit there and there, but he's never been a integral player. So yeah, it is a good chance for him. I think given the kind of timing one day, whatever, it's about as good an option as we possibly oh, yeah. could have found. 100%. Uh, I, think, I think if this had been two years ago in the Woodward time, Woodward peak, we would have put in a bid for Jorginho he would have picked Arsenal anyway. We would have floundered around and probably end up with nothing. So, you know, the concern, coming from that to where we are now to having a target and getting him in 12 hours is is really good. Um, I think in terms of how we expect him to play, obviously, you know, you put him next to Casemiro. Apparently, he, he's very adept at getting the ball from the centre-backs. He, he, he won't shy away from taking the ball on the turn, dribbling forward. He likes to switch play a lot as well. So, it's created a lot of raking balls out to Anthony. Um, apparently the one thing he does like is progressive passing and uh, chance creation isn't amazing, but we'll have to see. And he's got a, he's got a raking I good shot as well, on him. Because that's, you know, that's another he comes thing as well. from Leipzig and that kind of school of thought, you know he's going to be a presser and that he's going to be ready to absolutely run his bollocks off. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, he gets so yeah, a lot of work. That's one positive thing. Yeah. And yeah, he's definitely versatile. As you said, but at Leipzig, he was more of a kind of attacking midfielder, almost winger, but he can play those central midfield roles. Uh, so yeah, I think he can c- cover different parts of the squad in the worst case scenario that is needed. Uh, but yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays. Because look, the other thing, of course, is Fred. He will, he'll have to play a lot at the end of the day because you got, what, Fred... Tomlin is injured, and you can't. Casemiro and Fred won't play six games in a row, so he's gonna he's gonna have to. He will definitely play. I'm just wondering whether Fred or he will end up being the kind of first choice with Casemiro. Uh, of course, Casemiro and Fred do have an understanding from the Brazil team mm. already. Uh, so yeah, it will be interesting to see which way that goes. I think his first instinct will be to stick with Fred. I think he'll lean towards Fred, but then who knows as the seasons goes on, as the game goes on. Also, different games for different people at the end of the day. Uh, I, I, I do also do think that Ten Hag really enjoys bringing Fred off the bench. I think it's his favourite sub to make is bringing Fred off the bench for his energy and his high pressing and stuff. So maybe we'll see that. It's a bit of a 60 minutes, Fred for 30 minutes, who knows. But we'll see. Uh, ultimately, it's just good to, have the, good to have the option in. I was, I was panicking when Ericsson got injured, thinking how the hell are we going to get through the rest of the season with two midfielders but you know we've got someone in and that's good and now you have to I mean ultimately if you said to us what end, end of December the three players you're bringing on bringing in this uh, January are Wout Weghorst Marcel Sabitzer and Jack Butland you'd think that's it's an interesting three that is I don't think anyone would have picked any of those never mind all three no, I mean, and in fact, I don't know what's happened to Jack Buckland because obviously Tom Heaton played yesterday and has been on the bench yeah, more. Is he injured? We, I'm not sure. Can we just say Tom Heaton? That's a, it's an excellent story, really, if you think about Tom Heaton. He was an academy player for us. He's born in, born in the area, born in Chester, I think. Academy player, never played a single game for us, had to leave, probably thought he'd never play for United again. Now he's back, taking part in cup semifinals. We'll get, hopefully get a cup winner's medal to his name for United. I mean, that's a, it's a great story, that. 
Yeah, I mean, you probably didn't see it because I know you're at the match, so you're probably in the car on the way home. But he was interviewed on the pitch post-match yesterday by Roy Keane. And Roy Keane said, yeah, you know, I remember you being a young kind of up-and-coming goalie when I was here. Uh, and yeah, it was really nice to hear from him. He was obviously so happy that he did finally, delayed in his career, get that chance to play at Old Trafford and be part of a team there. Uh, and I kind of actually wonder why we bothered bringing in Jack Butland. For me, shortly, I think Tom Heaton can do an adequate kind of backup goal job well i mean if you get the problem is if De Gea gets injured then who's your third you know so it's that's kind of what you, i i get it i get it you need, you need three keepers um tom heaton is the experienced older keeper but yeah he's proven himself as more of a number two but you need three keepers so i, I don't see a problem with it and it's probably very dirt, probably dirty i think we're probably only covering jack Butlin's wages so it's not a problem i did actually hear that ten Hag spoke to dean henderson and asked him if he wanted to come back, and he said no. No, basically. I'd rather be number two to Kaylor Navas. Thank you very much, is what he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that Forrest last minute, but I think he's injured now anyway. He's injured for, uh, I think he's out for another two or three weeks, but when he comes back, it'll be interesting if he can, if he's number one over Navas. I think he probably will be, but then I'd, you wonder why Navas had got a Forrest to sit on their bench, but that'll be interesting. Yeah, we will see what happens there. I mean, look, as I say, we're relatively happy that we at least bought in two players that plug the obvious gaps that we needed in the squad. And it's pretty clear as well that we've got basically no cash to spend. So, you know, it had to be loan deals. I mean, I don't know if you're worried about the fact that the likes of Chelsea and Tottenham have done a lot more business in the window for us and will obviously be trying to fight for this top four place. You know, we're sat in the top four at the moment, but it's by no means done. There's a lot of games to play. And as I say, again, that's where I start getting worried about how many matches we're going to be playing. Uh, but uh, th- earlier on, you were saying you feel relatively confident in our top four place. I mean, I, I would feel relatively confident. Chelsea are a bit of a basket case. I don't see how, I mean, I like Potter. I'm a big Potter fan, but I mean, asking him to get all those players cohesively playing together. I mean, I don't even know what Chelsea's 11 looked like at the moment. I don't even know if he does or any Chelsea fan does. It's it's all over the place and whatever's going on there is crazy. So I'm not worried about that. Maybe next season, but this season I'm not worried about that. Spurs are Spurs. Are Spurs. They'll do Spurs things and you don't have to worry about that. Um and then, yeah, I, 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 do, I don't recall a time where there's been so much activity in the January. I think this January window is the most money ever spent. Um, well, but mainly, obviously, thanks to Chelsea By being Chelsea. crazy. I mean, it, it, the thing is, the thing they're doing is just making the market ridiculous now. Because if Enzo Fernandez is worth 130 million euros, what's Bellingham going to, what, what did Don want for Bellingham in the summer? It's like they could justifiably then say 150 million please and you'd be like well based on that transfer yeah and obviously they're doing this to like spread the cost among eight years or whatever so it becomes affordable but it's still crazy like I don't... yeah it looks like they're going to close that kind of loophole and put kind of some kind of five-year maximum time limit on contracts um but yeah, I mean, I don't know how it all works with FPP. I did read a story saying that if you remember Chelsea had that one year transfer embargo yeah, and that because of that, they kind of now have two years worth of transfer budget that they can spend. So that Todd Bowley has just decided to splurge every bit of it than he can. Uh, but yeah, it does seem absolutely mental. And especially look at that, like Enzo Fernandez. He only moved in the summer for like 10, 15 mm. million. And now he's 100 million plus. Played 20, I mean, the inflation played 28 games in his life or something like that. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And yeah, what they say, they'll say, oh, it's, it's, only, it's over eight years. So it's only... 15 million a year or whatever but i mean it's still he's still then a 130 million pound player that doesn't that doesn't sorry euro player that doesn't take away from that um i actually yeah, think, and you know sorry i was gonna say he is obviously the new like british transfer record yeah. uh but if you look at that list nearly every single one has been a failure oh, yeah in recent times because you look at the list and it's basically it's now fernandez uh Grealish, that okay not a failure but he's nowhere near living up to 100 million mark pogba uh, before that, Fernando Torres, when he went from Liverpool being yeah. the hottest strike in the world to failing miserably. Lukaku about uh, five Andrei times. Shevchenko. <laughs> uh, Andrei Shevchenko and Robinho. That's the kind of, that's been the progression. Oh, you mean every time, the, every time it's broken the record, you mean? Yeah, yeah, every time it's broken. And, they, you know, you'd say none of those were successes. And it's only the one before that, which was us buying Rio Ferdinand, which you'd say was a success. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, you know, these big, big transfers, the risk on it, the risk reward seems bad well, kind of gamble to me. I mean, even look at ours. Who's our, who's the jury out on in all our signings? Anthony. And he what? was the, yeah, he was the, yeah. he was the big, the big one. I mean, if you, if you, I keep saying this, if you bought Anthony for 30, 40 million, I don't think he gets, I, I think a lot of people will be a, a lot more lenient in understanding of where he is at the moment. But you know, that 80 million price tag is going to go with him unfortunately and that's just how it is so i mean yeah. enzo fernandez has a lot to live up to at the end of the day um i actually think Definitely. the best deal i think arsenal buying Jorginho is actually a really good deal for them um he... yeah he obviously wasn't their first choice no. they were trying to throw money at kaisi it was nice to see brighton stick their heels in and say no like uh you know you will wait we're going to keep him because we're going for europe ourselves uh but yeah still a decent deal for arsenal to bring in that kind of squad player i mean talking about world record transfers there was this story that came out of the women's team where like the day before the transfer window arsenal all of a sudden make a world record bid for alessia russo mm. uh which is absolutely crazy as well just came out of the blue I mean, I think that Arsenal were doing this just to kind of disrupt us. Um, I don't think that they seriously thought that we, one day, with one day of the transfer window left, were going to allow our hottest kind of striker to leave. And, and, you know, for those who don't know, Manchester United women are currently top of the league, joint with Arsenal. Um, But we've never been in this position before. So I think the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, who have been the traditional big women's teams are now kind of worried about the rise of Man United women. Uh, you know, this is the first time ever that we're being in this position. First time ever that we're looking like getting into the women's champions league places. So yeah, for me, I think they were just looking to be messing around and disrupt our kind of squad and see what happened there. And thankfully, United just didn't entertain it in any way. But it is a big worry now what happens in the summer because there is Alicia Russo, also Mary Earps, also Anya Bajia, who's our best kind of defender, Spanish player, who are all going to be out of contract. Uh, I think they're all kind of waiting to see themselves how United do if we do get that Champions League place and if we can convince them that Man United women is a place to stay to be winning trophies in the future. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, so just a bit of context as well. The, the current world record transfer for women is Kiera Walsh from City to Barcelona in the summer and that was 400 grand uh, so and this was 500 grand for Alessia Russo who is out of contract in the summer so obviously not big money in terms of male Men's. transfer but women's it's, it's big money there and but it's, it's a point where United United don't need that money uh, obviously um, it's, a, it's a lot of money for a player who's out of contract in the summer in terms of the women's budget uh, true but it we had to re- we, it would have sent the such it would have sent the in total wrong message to the rest of the players to the people to United fans to United managers the staff everyone if we had accepted that bid it would have sent the wrong message completely so United had to reject it I'm glad they did um, yeah she's out of contract in the summer but there is still the thought that if we do get Champions League football she will stay she is a childhood United fan. Uh, she wanted to come back to the project when it started, so she's she's big into it. So you would hope that if we get Champions League football, she'll stick around. And I, to be honest with you, if she don't, I can see her going to a European club more than um, more than Chelsea or Arsenal. Well, I hope. But but yeah, it's it's it, getting Euro- getting Europe is big for for her, for Erps, and for for Battle as well. So, but yeah, we we had to reject it. it plus, yeah, I, think, look, I, I actually still... don't think that I actually do think they wanted her because I think Miedemar's injured. I think. Um, and Beth Mead yeah. so they did actually need somebody but to wait until like you know a day before the transfer window to be making bids like that to me is just yeah. you know it's not going to happen they know it's not going to happen no. uh, and it's just like disrupting um, but even if Russo leaves for free in the summer, I would still have kept oh, definitely for these months, you know, because, yeah, as I say, we have a chance for winning the Women's Super League. I think it's probably not going to happen because the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea have that bit more extra experience of getting over the line and that kind of thing. But, yeah, we are top of the league at the moment. And, yeah, the main, main aim is top three. And then, yeah, there's the Women's FA Cup as well. I guess the equivalent uh, would be if someone came and gave, offered us, I don't know, 30 million for De Gea on the last day of the window. We'd, I mean, it's a lot of money for a player who's out of the contract in the summer, but you, you'd have to say no because what are you going to do? 
Well, you know, it would actually be like Manchester City, who traditionally have been winning the league and all, turning around to Arsenal and saying, here's 100 million, give us Saka right now, please, Uh, when they're sat at the top of the table. And, you know, they're not going to do it, obviously. But yeah, maybe we should go and do that to them and say, yeah, here's a a world record bid for Beth Mead. I mean, that is the weird kind of thing, obviously, of women's football. It's getting a lot of press now. It's getting a lot of, like, more media coverage. But... The world record at the moment is 400,000, which is like, you know, one week of Ronaldo's wages or something. So, yeah, the vast disparity in money and all is like a bit bizarre there. Well, you'd hope, uh, but... you'd also hope that any new owner that comes in puts some investment in that women's team and continues that growth as well. Um, and in the, if we can get that sorted out before the summer, obviously, then maybe we have a bit more money to spend on these players' contracts as well and keep them around because, yeah, the only way is up for uh, the United Women and the women's game. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that is about it for this podcast. Uh, as I say, it's been the kind of cup preview one. And the next matchup, we've got Crystal Palace and then Leeds. Uh, we will be back after one of those ones for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll see what goes on from there. As I say, the main theme of this podcast was that we are rolling on so well. My only worry is about fighting on all these four fronts, how our squad is going to cope. And yeah, this next batch of matches will really test us. And uh, we'll see as we roll into this cup final, how it all goes from there. Yeah, it's just hope. I mean, I I can't see us winning all six somehow. Uh, But as long as we win the seventh against Newcastle, I think we'll we'll, we'll take that. But... um... Keep, keep. I think you might have actually changed my mind a bit and I'll say, listen, it's great to go out to Barcelona if it doesn't uh, and have those big matches that's going to get some excitement. But if we go out of that Europa, it's not going to be end of the world. Yeah, it's, it's not. And ultimately, if you're going out to Barcelona, it's obviously not, not no great shame. Uh, put up a good battle, but if you go out, fine. If you go through, fine as well. Um, we'll, just, we'll take it as it comes, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll see. All right, that is all from us. And yeah, you will see us back next week. Uh, Good afternoon from me. Cheers. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Podcast Network.